Hey, I'm Steph. I'm Alex. And this is Not Today. Hey. 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 Is that how we start every episode now? It's like, hey. I think it's kind of funny being like, hey. How are you? listener insert listener name how are you jessica thank you so much for joining us (laughs) um but yeah uh i think no news i can't as far as i know i just can't believe how late into june we are already yeah it's the it's like when we're recording it's like the 21st or something it's it's insane where did june go we're already halfway through more than halfway through girls gays days are you living it up (laughs) what are you doing (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I know. Hopefully, like, uh, just, I just, like, it's just done by the end of the year. What? The whole COVID thing, you know? Oh, I thought you meant, you hope, hope June done. is over by the end of the oh. year. And I was like, well, do you know how months work or, <laughs> or not? No, that's cool. That's, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I guess we could just jump on into the story. I'm excited to talk about this one today um, because it's, it's just crazy if i could think of any other word to describe it other than crazy i would but i can't right now um no but i saw this um on one of those like survival shows the one that in an instant that's the one and i thought that i covered it for some reason because then i like looked at when i looked at my like old things that i've you know yeah saved i saw it and i was like oh i've done that one because it's it's a good one and i was like oh wait no, I haven't. I just watched it and enjoyed it and then didn't talk about it ever. So Yeah, I don't know. It is kind of weird to get to a place where we've done so many stories where I'm like to the point where like I've forgotten some episodes. Yeah. And I'm like, have we done that before? Yeah, I mean, we're not like that far in, but we're also like, we've made a dent. You know what I mean? What is this, 40? It's yeah. 40. Is this 40? Yeah, it might be. Hell Another yeah. like we'll just celebrate every ten. <laughs> yes. <laughs> give me forty. Give me fifty. Yes. No. Um, I don't know where that announcer voice like, came from. Are you from. on the prices right? What are we doing? <laughs> like a like an auction, and what are those forty? Fifty, fifty, fifty. You would be great. And no, I would not. Auctioneer. No, I actually just saw a video of people who were doing like auctioneer school, and they were practicing their like really fast talk. It was just very silly. Oh, they have and funny. a school for it. Yeah, I mean, you never. Th- I mean, I never thought about it, but like oh, when shit, I saw the video, I was like, that makes a lot of sense because that's not something that people can just like do. Well, I kind of just assumed it was like some guy who liked to talk really fast, just like would not shut up. Yeah, but they all talk the same. I know, but like, I don't know, you probably just try and imitate that one guy. Yeah, well, whatever, that's so... like, uh, it's kind of like the same thing with Morning Morning Radio, 98.7. Like, they all talk (laughs) the same. Yeah, no, that's true. I mean, that's very, like... It's like like, maybe a cultural thing. Anyway, that's (laughs) wild. I wonder how much school costs. I don't know. (laughs) You can probably auction for it. No, I'm, I'm not <laughs> joking. But I'm, I'll stop. I'll leave now. All right, you're done. Get into the story. Anyway, let's jump on in, guys. Um, we're going to be talking about uh, a woman named Ashley Ware today. And like I said, I got a lot of my my information from the TV show In an Instant. Um, I believe the episode is He Picked the Wrong Girl, in case you wanted to look it up. Um, and also there was an article on the website Heavy, and it was written by S.M. Walsh. So there you go. Well, let's jump on in. So 
Ashley Ware grew up in Brady, Minnesota, which is a small town in Lakes Country, which is apparently very beautiful. I've never been, but I mean, lakes are beautiful. You know what I mean? Mm. So it's a very small. I agree. <laughs> yeah, it's a very small town. Uh, everybody knows everybody. And growing up, Ashley was always very compassionate and had a warm personality. And she's very good at making you feel at home around her. She grew up working in the local nursing home in her town and washing dishes. She loved being there and would watch the nurses helping the elderly with whatever they would need and just really like hands-on care for them. And she knew that that was something that she always wanted to do. So she basically worked in the healthcare field for her entire life. So it wasn't very shocking at all to her family when she went on to college and then became an LPN and then an RN. What's an LPN? I was hoping you wouldn't ask me that. (laughs) I'm sorry. I actually meant to look it up. Maybe we should look it up. Hang on. I'll Google it. Licensed practical nurses. Okay. Yep. That was... That actually makes a lot of sense. It does. Um, I knew... Obviously, I knew they were nurses, but I didn't know what the L... And you know whatever anyway yeah usually so, i think rn like registered nurse sure that makes sense cool. um so yeah so she is a nurse and in 2008 ashley was 23 years old and living in north fargo north dakota and she lived alone with her cat in a house that was turned into a duplex so she lived on the top floor in her own with her own entrance and then her landlord lived below her on the ground floor oh so she's renting yeah okay And at that time, Ashley was a full-time student and working night shifts as an LPN. So that night she was getting ready for her shift at the nursing home. And she was in the just, you know, in the bathroom getting ready, doing hairspray, whatever, when she heard a knock at the door. And it was about 8.50 p.m. at that point. And that night she actually ordered delivery and was expecting it to show up around that time. So when she heard the knock, she was like, oh, Yes, like hell yeah, pizza. Get me, let me get some food up in here. So she ran to the front door, and when she got there and opened it, there was a man that she had never seen before, just standing on her steps and just kind of staring at her. And she's like, "Hi, can I help you?" And she said, "Growing up where she did, it was not uncommon at all to open your door to anybody that was knocking because you know it was a very safe area. It was." everyone's you know midwestern nice kind of thing sure hope yes exactly (laughs) so he told her his name was mike and his car was in the shop so she needed to give him a ride oh what okay mike maybe you should rephrase that exactly please lord jesus can you give me a ride my car is in the shop we're bringing the lord into this you need to bring i don't know (laughs) it felt right sure but so he was like you need like it was authoritative like that yeah he was from the jump like very weird and like aggressive yeah no yeah he basically was like i my car's in the shop you need to give me a ride but just the way he asked her and how he was looking at her was just really strange and she noticed that he had a buzz cut and a strange tattoo on his neck he had a dark blue hoodie on and like some brown pants or something and he looked like someone who was just kind of rough around the edges someone who had a hard life and she said she noticed all this stuff because he didn't look like anyone she had ever seen before so she told him i'm really sorry i have to go to work so i can't give you a ride anywhere And after that, he's just still standing at her door, not really saying anything. And that's when she noticed that his hands were in his his, uh, sweatshirt pockets. And he's kind of like fumbling around with something in his pocket. And that's when he pulled out a gun and said, no, you're going to give me a ride. And he pushed his way into her apartment and closed the door behind him. 
she said, that's when things got very real. And it was almost hard to take it seriously because it felt as if it was just a scene out of a movie. <laughs> she was like, I'm a Minnesotan. This doesn't happen in Minnesota. Like, it just doesn't happen. But now he's in her apartment and she tells him, okay, I just need to find my keys. And he's like, okay, we'll find them. And <laughs> she said, this <laughs> I was- I can't even imagine being like, well, I, got, I gotta go get my keys, right? Right. Like, and she- I'm just trying to ignore- the threat of on my life that is currently happening. So actually, that is a very big theme in this entire thing. She does not really acknowledge the fact that this is a kidnapping the entire time, which is we're going to talk. Really? We're going to get into more detail about what she did later and why it was so smart and everything. But um, but she said at this point, like if you if you knew her personally, you'd be like, oh, of course she doesn't know where her keys are. Like she had to go and like look for her keys in her apartment. So they're both kind of scrambling around her apartment, like looking for her keys, which is Could you imagine crazy. Like, this weird scene was like, where's my keys? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this random guy. Right. So the whole time she's searching, he's following her around and holding the gun on her, and she tells him she has to look in her bedroom. He said, okay, two minutes. So she's scrambling, looking around, but she really doesn't know where her keys are. And he gets really mad. And he's like, do you know what two minutes means? So she tells him, they're here, I swear. I just don't know where they are. Why don't you look in the kitchen? So now they're both scrambling around her apartment looking, and he's getting increasingly angry with her until she finally finds her keys in a bag. And as they're leaving her apartment, she looked at her cell phone that was sitting on the counter and she couldn't really grab it at that point because he would have seen her. But the entire time she was very aware that her cell phone was just on the counter right there and she wanted to call 911, but couldn't. So she didn't pick up her phone, but she's like seeing it. It's like right there. Yeah. She said she there was no way she could have grabbed her keys because he would have seen her. So that sucks. I also, can you imagine like not her keys, the, her cell phone, the pressure to like find your keys. Like you think you're going to, if you don't find your keys, you're going to get fucking shot. Oh yeah. I mean, looking for your keys when you just have to go to work sucks. Like, yeah. Imagine. I know. That's what I was saying. Like, <laughs> yeah. Imagine. Ugh. Right. So when they get outside, he leads her down the stairs and to her car. And as she made it to the bottom of her stairs, she saw the lights were on in her landlord's window. And he was actually just sitting and watching TV. And she wanted to scream and get his attention. But she felt that it wasn't the right time. And in her gut, she said if she did that, he most likely would have shot me then and there. So she doesn't. And they get into the car and the man had her get behind the wheel and he got into the passenger side. From her apartment in Fargo, he told her to drive east into Moorhead, Minnesota. And apparently Moorhead, Minnesota and Fargo are just like pretty much separated by, I don't know, a river or a lake or something. And they're pretty close to each other. So it wasn't that far. Um, and she asked where they were going in Moorhead. And he told her Max, which was a hardware store in uh, Fargo, Moorhead area. And after getting into the car, Ashley told her captor, you picked the wrong girl to kidnap because my friends tell me I'm a bad driver. So... Oh my god, she's joking. Yeah, the entire, <laughs> this entire time she's gonna like continue to make small talk and like completely just be... Ignore Cool as a cucumber. Yeah, yeah, ignore the situation and like mm -hmm. crack jokes. And it's just so interesting how people respond to like life or death situations you know yeah that's so weird yeah i know i would imagine it's like actually kind of effective because if you if it doesn't sink in for you it might end up kind of like rubbing off on them that this isn't like oh we're just taking a trip to the hardware right yeah as she if was... i just would have like said yes to giving you a ride off the bat 
Exactly. Yeah. And she, she was kind of just trying to create a therapeutic relationship with him almost. And this was a skill that she had learned in her nursing studies. So during the whole drive, Ashley was scared, obviously, but she didn't want him to know that, which was a very smart move. And Margie Kerr, who is a psychologist and fear expert, said when Ashley didn't allow herself to show Vincent she was afraid, it was Oh, his name's Vincent. We're going to talk about him in a little while. But so when she didn't allow herself to show him that she was afraid, it was a subtle manipulation because he wanted her to be scared and it was all about power. But when she didn't give that to him, she took away that power. So instead of freezing up and being terrified of the gun, her defense mechanism was to make him feel as comfortable as possible. And she wanted to be as non-threatening as possible because... She wanted to keep him calm and also stay as in charge of the situation as she possibly could. So she started making this small talk with him as she was driving, and she asked him where he was from, and he told her Bloomington, and every light she hit right as she got to it, it turned yellow and then red. And as she approached each light, the man would tell her careful because he didn't want her running any reds and potentially getting stopped by the police. And when she drove through another yellow, he got really angry and said, what are you doing? You're going to get us pulled over. But as he was doing this, he was kind of waving his gun around in front of the window. So Ashley is thinking to herself, well, you're going to be the one that gets us pulled over because you're waving that gun around. So she told him, I'm driving like I normally would. You can drive through yellow lights. So she's just chatting with him. Everything's fine. And can drive through yellow lights, it is a fact. <laughs> yes, no, yeah, of course. Um, and at this point, Ashley was just trying to focus on how she could get out of this situation. Part of being a nurse is knowing how to develop a relationship with your patients, and she worked in the emergency department, so she saw a lot of different things. And she said she saw a lot more interesting psych cases coming through normally, and she needed to have a certain demeanor to deal with that, so... That definitely helped her in this situation. Yeah. And so now they'd been driving for a while and Ashley was still trying to keep things calm and still trying to be as non-threatening as possible. And she asked if he was cold and he wanted her to turn the heat up. Uh, And at that point, he told her, just drive. So she's doing everything in her power to make him feel as comfortable as possible. And even though he didn't seem to want to talk, she just kept going and she asked him what kind of gun he had. She didn't really know much about guns, but she just wanted any conversation in hopes that it would make him kind of change his mind about whatever he was going to do. So she asked him what he was doing in Fargo, and he told her that he had just gotten out of Supermax prison. But instead of her freaking out and showing her fear, about that statement she just said oh what for oh my god as if they were some ice in the veins yeah as if they were just talking about the weather like she's like oh okay cool supermax prison ah really put the super in supermax how how was it how was that how was your state how long how long were you in for yeah what was that like for you (laughs) so i'm sure that response surprised him a little bit because i think he told her that because he wanted to scare her as if right you know that's just his whole point but He told her that he robbed a bakery, and she asked if he got any donuts. (laughs) Well, did you at least get some baked goods out of it? (laughs) Yeah, and to that, he said, you know this is a kidnapping, right? So at that point, they were kind of quiet for a second, and all- I would be like- well, I mean, I guess we should be happy if it's gonna like it's gonna be like this. Oh, you know. mean like having nice yeah, no, conversation? Like, yeah. It's like if you're gonna fucking kill me, I might we might as well like 
I don't know. Crack a joke or two? Crack a joke or two. Yeah. So all of this small talk and jokes was an attempt to get her out of the situation she was in. And she said, it definitely wasn't your average kidnapping. And he got pissed at this point with how little she seemed to care about him kidnapping her. And he told her that he was going to kill some cops tonight. So that this was like his final attempt at like really scaring her. Um, and he also told her, my name isn't Mike, it's Vince. Because at this point he's, he's pissed off and he's like, stop calling me Mike, my name is Vince. Which in my opinion, doesn't seem like a very good sign because if he's telling you his actual name, then yeah, yikes, you know what I mean? Yeah. So and if you don't care about killing cops, you're uh, not great. Far gone. Like you're not trying to get away with something. No, exactly. So the man that kidnapped Ashley was named Vincent DiGidio, and he lived in the city of Bloomington all his life, and at that time he was 28 years old. He was a loner growing up, and he didn't have many friends and had a really, really bad home life. He and his sister lived in an abusive household, and their parents were drug addicts and alcoholics, and they were always surrounded by criminals. They never had what most people would consider a normal situation. And something really, really sad about his life, his mother ended up dying from either drug or alcohol uh, overdose, but Vince had to watch as his father and his father's friend dragged around his mother's lifeless body attempting to wake her up. They didn't know that she had already been dead, so when the police arrived, they just came upon the scene of the father and his friend dragging around this literal lifeless body and like a young child just watching. Oh my god. So definitely not a good, not a good life. Um, shortly, not good. Shortly (laughs) after that, Vincent's sister, Sarah went home to check on her father. And when she got there, he was also dead from a drug overdose. So he never had a good home life, which is really sad, but you know, lots of crazy shit. So Vincent had a lot of contacts with the Bloomington PD since he was always going in and out of jail. And his education came from being, you know, in and out of jail and prison all the time because that's just, he was troubled and he, that's what he did. So he was a juvenile delinquent and was always involved in crime, mostly burglaries, but he was also violent and his violence escalated as time went on. And he just became more and more angry and bitter as you would expect. So... At first, he was burglarizing homes around his grandparents' house, and since the police knew about Vince and what he has had done in the past, they set up surveillance on him to catch him in the act. And as they were watching him, he went into a strip mall and into a bakery, and the police figured he was just going in to get something to eat. But when he went in, he picked a donut out of the case, and as he was putting it on the counter to pay for it, the woman behind the counter opened the register. As soon as she did that, he reached over the counter to grab the money out of the, the you know, tray, but she slammed the drawer on his fingers, and that's when he pulled out an eight-inch knife out of his pocket and stole the money out of the register and booked it out of the bakery. But since the police were watching him, they obviously caught him and arrested him. So from there, he was sentenced to nine years for that robbery and the multiple burglaries that he committed. And after Vincent had been in prison for a while, the, per- the police received notification that he had threatened to kill the detectives who were responsible for putting him in prison. He said that he wasn't afraid of killing any cop, and if he couldn't find the cops responsible, he'd look for other officers and get into a shootout with them. 
and if he couldn't kill enough cops, he'd take hostages and start killing hostages until the police got there and he would kill as many police as he possibly could. He also didn't care if he got shot and died. He actually said that that was a noble way to die, was suicide by cop, and that's what he wanted. So the police said that they fully believed that Vincent was dangerous and could have done anything that he set his mind to. And detectives did attempt to talk to Vincent about his family in an effort to get him to try to turn his life around by telling him that he didn't have to end up like his mother and father. But when Vincent got out of prison, he didn't want to turn his life around. He came out hardened and didn't care whether or not he lived or died and just fully wanted revenge on the world and the police and everything. So he is angry and violent. <sighs> Rant complete. Yeah, no, just a little bit. This is kind of like what I was thinking when, like earlier, when he said, like, I'm going to go kill some cops. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he, he's not planning to get away with it. He just wants to cause damage. Mm -hmm. As period. much as possible. Yeah. So now we're going to go back to the drive. Finally, after about 15 minutes of driving, Ashley and Vincent made it to Max, which was the hardware store. And he had her pull into a parking space, I believe that was behind the building. And at this point... Ashley really believed that she would just drop him off and then she could go to work. So she was kind of in denial, but when they pulled into the spot, he told her to turn off the car and come with him. But Ashley said, no, I have to go to work. She was just like, no, I just dropped you off. I gave you a ride. Now I have to go. Um, <laughs> she said, I'm a nurse and I can't be late. Don't worry. I won't tell anyone. <laughs> so, oh God. Yeah. And that's when he took the keys out of the ignition and told her that she was coming with him. So they got out of the car and they started walking not in the direction of the store. So she asked him, where are we going? He pointed to an RV up ahead and said, we're going to the RV and that's where I'm going to rape and kill you. So he said that to her as they're walking to this RV. And so she's following him and asking him, are you sure you want to rape and kill me? You don't want to do that. I have to go to work, blah, blah, blah. She's, I have to go to work. She's just going, she's just trying to talk her way out of it. And she's like, I don't know. I don't think you want to do that because this is why. She said she was trying to bug him to hopefully get him to change his own mind. She's like, I wanted to bug him. That way he just didn't want to be near me kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, great tactic. Well, yeah, it's just, an interesting... I can't even imagine that being my response. No, me neither. <laughs> like, when I, I would never think to do that, but that's honestly kind of smart to try to do that. Yeah, but I, mean, I would just be petrified. Yeah, well, yeah, as, as any normal person shut, would, would, I'm sure. Down. Yeah. So they came up to this chain fence, and he unlocks it and slides it open and the whole time she's still pleading with him to change his mind and finally after he gets the gate open he just says shut up and tells her to keep walking but she doesn't move and she says well it's really dark and i don't know where i'm going so you should go first just praying that he would fall for that and after a second of staring at her he steps beyond the gate before her and she followed to like step beyond the gate and he turned around to lock the gate you know it was a gate that slid closed and then they had a latch lock on it but before he had a chance to lock the gate she told him just leave it if you're gonna do this thing let's go do it hoping that he would leave it unlocked and he did he leaves it unlocked really and also he starts walking in front of her 
He's not, he doesn't hold her with a gun. He's not, you know, making her, he's not dragging her. He was walking in front of her and she's walking behind him. And he's not even really looking behind him to make sure she's still there. So at this point, Ashley said he didn't feel threatened or believe that she was going to run because of the way she had been treating him in the car, which was her goal ultimately. And as they were walking, he was about three feet ahead of her because for some reason he just didn't think she would try to run. And since he was walking in front of her and not really looking back to even check if she was still there, she started slowing down her pace and got to the point where he was at least 20 feet ahead of her. And as he was kind of fumbling with his keys to unlock this RV, Ashley took a moment to breathe and she said she remembered she looked up at the sky and she asked God to tell her what to do. And she said, I will do anything in the moment you tell me to do it. And after a second, she just started running in the opposite direction back toward the gate. So she books it toward the gate. And once she makes it there, she whips it open and just keeps running on the open property of the Max Hardware store and toward the main road. And at this point, he's fully chasing after her. Ashley was also running in a zigzag motion because she figured, okay, now he's definitely going to shoot me. And so she tried to lower that possibility of him actually hitting her by running in a zigzag. And she was just kind of tensing her body and waiting to get, you know, hit with a bullet. But thankfully that didn't happen. And shortly after this, she sees a car driving down the road. So she runs into the street and she stops the car and she's banging on the window and she's screaming for help. And she was screaming that the man had a gun and they wouldn't open the car. She said that it was two men in the car. And after a second of not unlocking the doors, they gave her what she described as a creepy smile and sped off. What the fuck? That's what I thought too. I was like, what? I'm just shocked. Yeah. You have this woman mm-hmm. who clearly believes that she's going to die. She is. She would have. And this man with a gun. Yes. And you smile at her and drive away. That's how she described it. I don't really, I mean, it just seems like that's like pure evil, you know? How do you, how is that you? What? How is that like a person? I don't know. That's the, that's that your reaction. I just pictured like two men with like fully black demon eyes, like looking at her and giving her like a creepy smile and then like driving away. Yeah. That's terrifying. And it doesn't make any sense. I, I don't know. That's so weird. Like, I could under... Like, I mean, it's not great to just leave her, but I, I could understand someone being scared and, yeah. and like, fearing their for their own lives and then speeding away, but she said they smiled and then, like, drove away. Yeah. Make that make sense. No fucking sense to right. be made there. So they go, they go, and she's in the middle of the road now, and he's still running full speed at her. And at this point, she feels as if she's starting her whole escape all over again. So she quickly looks around and sees an auto parts store not too far away. And so, and they actually still had their lights on. So she just booked it over there. But after only about 10 feet, he catch he catches up with her and grabbed her from behind in like a bear hug. And he, now he has the gun on her right side and he's absolutely pissed. And he's screaming, why did you run? 
while she's pleading for her life and begging him not to shoot her. He tells her they're going to go back to the RV and he starts pulling her. And Ashley knew in this moment, all she needed was just a second to think and gather her thoughts. And and so she starts hyperventilating and pretending that she's having an asthma attack. She's breathing really, really heavily and telling him that she's having an asthma attack, but she doesn't have an inhaler on her. So she just needs to stop and get a better breath. And this made him kind of like flustered and confused because she was like very audibly and like, I don't know the right word. Like gasping for air? Yeah, she was just gasping for air. Uh, And at this point, he didn't have a very good grip on her because I think he assumed that she was like suffocating. So she uses this opportunity and she rips herself away from his grasp, shoves him, and then starts running again toward the store. Oh my God, this is balls. Like, how do you think of that? How do you think of those things in that moment? Yeah, no, the asthma attack. Who would do that? Genius. Who would think, oh my god, now I'm having an asthma attack? Only her. That's so smart. I don't even understand. But as she's running, she trips, unfortunately. And I'm not laughing because it's funny, but you know, you get it. She trips and falls to the ground. And then Vincent tries to grab her and falls down with her. But then she's able to break out of his grasp again and starts running toward the store. So she, it doesn't matter that she tripped. She made it. Yeah, no, this is also interesting because at this point, she must know that he isn't going to shoot her. I, I mean, mean, he didn't at first. He had all the time he was chasing her to do it. Yeah. And she was much closer now. But you also have to think about if there are just like multiple gunshots happening, then that means police will show up, most likely. You know, it's a small town. So like, that's what I'm just saying. This is the move. Yeah, but I also, I I don't think that she thought that he wouldn't shoot her. I think that she was just doing her best to like escape. Probably not. But at this point, probably he probably won't shoot her. Maybe. I mean, that would be great, but... Let's keep going because we don't know what's going to happen yet. So she makes it to the front door of this auto parts store and the door is locked because they were closed, but there were still two employees inside. So she starts banging on the door and she's screaming for help. She's screaming, he's got a gun, please let me in. And an employee in the store opens the door kind of just slightly and she just pushes it, flies in. So she's, she's in the store and she runs directly to the back of the store looking for another exit door. But when she gets back there, there isn't another door. It's just, you know, wall. She walks back to the front of the store and she comes upon Vince, who now has the two employees in the store at gunpoint. And now he's got all three of them. So Vince made the decision in that moment that he was going to rob the store because that's his specialty. And... He tells the two men to get the money from the back and put it in a bag. So Ashley is just kind of standing there and looking around for anything she could possibly use to hit him over the head, but there was nothing around her. And so she couldn't really move or do anything. And he was crouched down pretty much right in front of her, putting the money from the two employees into a bag. And so she decides she's going to kick the gun out of his hand. So she does just that. It doesn't go very far, unfortunately, but she kicks the gun and she tries to run again, but he gets the gun and he grabs her. Your face was so hopeful. You're like, I was like, maybe this is it. You're like, what's going to happen? Oh my God. Okay. At this point, she's very lucky that she hasn't been shot. I know. That's what I'm saying. Holy shit. Yeah. So, so this is attempt number three. At least. Yeah. I mean, fuck it's so hard to like should you kick the gun out of his hand or should you try and like knock him out by kicking him in the head well she want well i don't think she would have knocked him out by kicking him in the head 
because she wouldn't have been fast enough or probably get the right angle to like be strong enough to do that. But she said that there was like a bunch of like big heavy things around the store. But of course, right where she was, there was only like a, a puny little plastic thing. So she wouldn't oh have been gosh. able to knock him out. Yeah, if there is a store to be in where you want to knock somebody out, it's a hardware store. It was an auto parts store. Or auto parts. Yeah. That works but, too. But still, I mean, there's plenty of things in there. Oh, they went to the hardware store first. Yes. So at this point, Ashley knew that he would have killed all of them because his violence and anger had just been escalating and now she really pissed him off with that final kick. So she said she figured she might as well put up as big of a fight as she possibly could. That way she could at least try to get away. She she wasn't going to go down without a fight. Like she, mm-hmm. if she was going to die, it was she was going to go down fighting. So Ashley believed that Vince used his gun as kind of a security blanket, and once she showed that the gun wasn't going to stop her from trying to live, he suddenly got insecure and didn't really know what he was doing. So now they are full-blown fighting and pretty much wrestling in the middle of this store. And she said as this was happening, she remembered a move that one of her brother's friends who was in the army had taught her. He said, if anyone is ever trying to hurt you, apply pressure under their nose and push really hard because it's extremely painful. And she had never attempted this before, but she remembered it, and she said it worked really well. How, how was that for you? You just pushed your nose. Really? Yeah, so I'm like trying to like, I mean, it hurt. I mean, I, you know, I'm not full boy, but yeah, you know, you're not it's gonna, very like, sensitive. Palm your nose right now, but she said it worked really well. And she also bit his shoulder and his ribs because there's no rules when you're fighting for your life. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> so uh, as she's struggling with him and the gun, the two employees, call 911. And her main concern was keeping the barrel of the gun away from her. And at one point he was actually able to turn the gun and she was literally looking down the barrel, but she was able to turn it away from herself again and continued kicking and punching and holding him off. Yes. Question. Sure. This whole time, Mm -hmm. there's two employees. Yes. Who are? Men. Men. Uh Uh-huh. And they are? Doing nothing. Doing nothing. Correct. Follow up why (laughs) what are you fucking doing that is a good question like it's three i mean i don't care who it was like this is not a gender thing this is like two people extra versus one man yeah who's trying to kill him right a person that's correct please step in yeah yeah like okay let me call have or have some one of you call 911 Uh and one of you try to choke this motherfucker jump on top like jump in like (laughs) tag in like what are you doing just standing there i i thought you would have that question yes Um, because you know that i fucking hate when people just stand by and be like "Uh." yeah or like the the whole bystander effect really pisses me off but like you're literally standing like you're part of this now dude oh yeah like you should jump in Mm -hmm. i mean you're an auto parts store get something heavy and whack the shit out of his head for sure yeah i mean she had the right idea yeah no for sure i mean just to give them some sort of explanation or credit no. i i don't know what i would do if I, like you don't know what you would do if you're ever put in a situation like that like i'm sure you would the logical thing is okay three against one we win kind of thing but at the same time the dude has a gun and i'm sure they've never dealt with something like that and they were probably shitting their pants so true it's it's terrifying but at the same time but yeah, I, you know, you would you would hope that the people would jump in, but they didn't, unfortunately. Yeah. But Ashley, on the other hand, is fighting for her life and winning. So yeah. props to this 23-year-old, like, skinny little 
blonde girl, so <laughs> she's killing it. Chris Carey, who was a lieutenant in the Moorhead Police Department, was working his routine evening shift that night from 5 p.m. to 3 a.m., and everything was completely normal that night until about 9.15 when he received a call that there was an active robbery happening in a store close by to where he was. So he immediately head headed in that direction. And while he was on his way, he also received another call about a kidnapping that was also involved. And back at the store, Vince pistol whips Ashley. And so now she is blacked out on the floor. And when she came to, she heard the the ding from the front door because Vince knew that the police would have been there soon. So he bolted. And it wasn't too long after that that the police did show up. And as they walked in, Ashley was sitting on the floor kind of in shock. She was just like leaning up against a counter and she was bleeding from her head and she had large lacerations above her right eye all the way up to her scalp line. And she had a large goose egg on the left side of her head. And the detectives who showed up on the scene started asking her a few questions. And she told them that the man who did this was named Vince. She didn't know his last name, but she knew that his first name was Vince. She also was able to give them a detailed description of what he looked like and about the kidnapping and where he might possibly be, meaning the RV. So on the day that Vince was going to be released from prison, he told his caseworker that he was going to move in with his sister in Moorhead, Minnesota which was just across the river from Fargo, North Dakota. And Steve Anda, who was one of the detectives responsible for putting Vincent away in the first place, took it upon himself to contact the Moorhead Police Department to give them some history on Vince in case he wanted to take revenge on the police. So because they had already known of him, it didn't take long for one of the officers on the scene to suggest it could have been Vincent DiGidio. So now they had a suspect and thus a manhunt begun. First, the police made a perimeter around the auto parts store, as well as attempting to track him with a canine. But when they realized that that was going to be unsuccessful, they started a new perimeter around Vincent's sister's Sarah, her apartment, 3500 8th Avenue South, where they knew he had been living at the time. So the police are basically just circling this apartment building and they wanted to evacuate the entire building but as soon as they sent an officer to go in, he saw a man standing in the dark with his hood up and he called out Vincent DiGidio. And then Vince quickly pulled a gun and started shooting and then ran behind a truck. The officer who was fired at used his radio to tell the other officers that shots had been fired. And now they're like fully in a shoot off. Did he get hit? He didn't get hit, thankfully. Oh. And when Chris Carey arrived, he heard the shots, but he couldn't see where they were coming from because it was so dark. And also to make matters worse, the officer who was fully engaging in a shootout with Vince was his nephew, Ryan Carey. So Ryan used his radio to let the arriving officers know that Vincent was behind a truck. And so he was between the apartment building and the police, which wasn't good for the cops at all, because if any bullet they fired missed their target it could have gone straight through the window of an apartment and done some real damage yeah and killed the people inside exactly responding officers were working to build a perimeter around the entire area but they weren't quick enough to the west leaving a small gap where vince could have gotten away and of course after engaging in the shootout for about 30 minutes he ran toward the west he made it across a very lit street and 
into a completely pitch black golf course. So the officers who were going after him on foot knew that they were in a really terrible position because once they ran after him and crossed that lit street, he would be able to see them perfectly, but they wouldn't be able to see him at all. Luckily, the team of about six officers made it across the street and behind an electrical box for cover. And before going onto the golf course to chase after him, they turned on their flashlights and they got a radio that he would he was by a church and another condominium. And so they're getting all these calls from people saying that they see him standing in the shadows. And the police were terrified that Vince would go into this condominium and attempt another hostage situation. So they knew that they needed to move fast. And they also knew they were in a bad position because now not only are they shining flashlights, but like he fully wants to kill police. Like he wants right, to I know. kill them. Like he's still in the dark and you're just giving him a beacon. Exactly. So they were they knew that they were in a terrible position and they knew that he also had discussed the fact that he wanted a hostage situation because he wanted to kill as many police as possible. So right. they're like, uh shit in plain terms. Yes. Oh shit. Right. So right as they arrived, the police spotted Vince, and as they called out, police drop your weapon, Vince was already shooting at them again. Luckily, no officers were hit in this brief shootout, and one of them actually managed to shoot Vince twice. When Chris Carey walked up to Vince, who was laying on the ground, he said that he looked like a wounded animal. He was just kind of laying there and not moving. The bullet that had hit Vince struck his spine, and it caused paralysis. So his grand plan of dying in a shootout with the cops ended in him becoming paralyzed and sent back to prison, which sucks. Oh my God. Wait, so he lived. He did live. And actually, Ashley had been taken to the hospital during all of this. And soon an officer arrived and told her that they had captured Vincent and he survived the shootout and was actually in surgery in the same hospital that she was in just one floor above her. Oh, that's freaky. Yeah. Did they tell her that he was also paralyzed? That might help. Oh, I don't know. If I mean, maybe. But like, I can imagine, like, okay, he's in surgery, but he's going to get out and, like, try again. Yeah. Like, he obviously will not stop. Right. Um, but nothing happened in the hospital, thankfully. I mean, um, but, like, Ashley seems, like, fucking fearless. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah. Maybe she, maybe she was unfazed. Well, I doubt it, but she probably seemed that way. Yeah, I'm sure she seemed that way. But I was like, after all she's been through today, like, I yeah. guess that's you know. Yeah, peanuts. I mean, for sure. So Vincent was charged with kidnapping and being in possession of a firearm as a felon. And it actually became a federal case because he took Ashley over state lines. And he was sentenced to just short of 29 years for everything. When the police contacted the man who owned the RV that Vincent was planning on taking Ashley into, he told them that he had just been storing his RV there for the winter and there shouldn't have been anything inside and it actually was completely gutted in there. But when the police searched it, they found in a cabinet that there was duct tape and rope um, and they fully believed that Vince could have kept Ashley there for months without them ever finding her. But she refused to be a victim. And she has told multiple news outlets that during the ordeal, she thought to herself, no way am I going to die at 23 years old, going to let this punk take my life. I love that. <laughs> so within months of her abduction, she decided to move out of her Fargo home where she was taken that fateful night. That was yeah, copy, no, and she, copy and pasted. Copy and pasted. Yeah, no, I would move too. Yeah, immediately. No, I don't blame her I don't, at all. Like, I don't think you could like ever answer the door again. Yeah, 
That'd be... Or order a pizza. Yeah. You know? Right? Okay. I, um, this yeah. is kind of related, but like, what did she order that night? Do you know? I don't know. I don't know. I was just curious. Keep yeah. going. Um, and Ashley said when she thinks about Vincent DiGidio, she feels bad for him because he had a really tough childhood. And she said it was very important for her to forgive Vincent. That way she could move on and heal and try to use it for the better. Um, she has had a tough, t- or she had a tough time after the attack for a while, but she is clearly a fighter and managed to move on and stay positive. Um, and she actually also wrote a letter that was read to Vincent and his lawyers, I believe, for his like sentencing or whatever, saying that she um, forgave him. And I think it also like touched him that that really, yeah, that she forgave him. Yeah, because I was thinking after all this, like, mm-hmm. is there any hope for him? Like, I don't know. Is, is there any turning around? Maybe that touched him. I don't know. Maybe. I mean, what a what a is crazy... he still in jail? Uh, I mean, this was in 20, 2008 and he was sentenced to twenty nine years. So yes. Okay. Do you know how old he was? I believe he was twenty eight years old. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ashley continued to work as a nurse, and actually, a couple years after the attack, Chris Carey came into the hospital with another assault victim, and Ashley was her tending nurse. Ashley said it's important for her to share her story with any woman she possibly can because they need to know that there are lots of different ways you can fight back to save yourself and present your prevent yourself from getting into a worse situation. Margie Kerr, who again is a socio- sociologist and fear expert, said, the difference between a victim and a hero is perception. Both people have survived and anybody who survived is a hero. I think it's a really powerful way to sort of view whatever trauma or experience has happened. To say, I'm not a victim, I'm a hero and I kick ass. And that is the story of Ashley Ware. Yeah, that's an A1 message. Yeah, right? Yeah, I think, I feel like maybe we've both like thought that, but mm-hmm. not so clearly yeah. in one sentence. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, she is a sociologist and fear expert. It's like so she does this. It's like she's you know? <laughs> studied for this. But yeah, I mean, she like, she like put it into a very simple, like yeah. easy terms. Mm-hmm. So that's awesome. Yeah, dude, Ashley, her, the moxie. Yeah. That she has is inspiring. Yeah. I can't even imagine, like, she's taking on this dude, like, in the middle of a hardware store with a gun. This... Stares down the barrel. Yeah. Keeps right on going. She took on this dude who, like, seemed like he had no fear for the police or anything or for his losing his life. And she matched that energy and, like... Exceeded it. And, like, raised him one, you know? Like, she was like, oh, yeah, you're not going to be scared? Well, I'm not going to be scared, and I'm going to crack jokes. So let's see how you do that or how you deal with that one, Vince. It was just so crazy, and it's it's actually a very good episode on In an Instant, and it's on YouTube if you want to look it up. It's very good. But, um, yeah, that is her story, and I just couldn't believe how many tactics she had and how, how, like... She just came up with all all of them, like, like that. Yeah. there's another auditory thing. There's another snap. Because I like snapping. You do love that. I thought about it right before I did it. Good. I love that for you. I'm now self-aware. Love that. (laughs) Self-awareness. Um... Yeah, but I mean, her training, like, as a nurse, really, she said, really helped her in this situation. And let's yeah. just pour one out for all the nurses out there. Amen. <laughs> thank, Amen. Thank you, guys, for everything you do. But yeah, she was an ER nurse, right? Uh, I think she was working in the, yeah, she was working in the emergency, like, section. I don't know if it was in a nursing home or in the hospital or what, but yeah, I think I it was mean, the emergency room of a hospital, I believe. Gotcha. I'm just mean, I'm just saying, like, the amount of 
stuff you see must have like really mentally shaped and prepared her for yeah, that. Yeah, that's what she 100%. said. She was like, I need to connect with every person I come into contact with and you know, people who are coming in and out of the hospital, like not all of them are of sane mind, you know? Yeah. And then she goes on to forgive him. Yeah. In a letter. Mm-hmm. That's powerful too. Yeah. So that's her. That's her story. Um, you got a good thing? You go first. I'll go first. Well, I, okay. I'll let you take it. Um, well, we went to Universal um yesterday and it was really exciting um california has officially like reopened um as of a couple days ago uh, and we're both fully vaccinated and so we wanted to have a fun day and we went to universal and it was your first time going yeah and it was really fun and i got a big pink sprinkle donut from the simpsons section and it was like the size of my head and we demolished it it was yeah. amazing <laughs> <laughs> i was quoted as saying this will take us three days to oh, yeah. eat. Yeah. And I was so wrong. It took us uh, it approximately took us 20 two minutes. Hours. <laughs> Not even. <laughs> barely. But yeah. So that was fun. Yeah. That was a good donut. Um, so copy paste. Uh, that's my good thing. We went to Universal. But I think my favorite part about it was uh, getting butterbeer. Oh, at yeah. The Harry Potter section. Uh-huh. That was also very good. Mm-hmm. Is this turning into an ad for Universal? <laughs> like, not use sponsored. promo code not today. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was fun. And it was also just so, so weird to be in a crowd of people. Yeah, it was like, period. Mm-hmm. And like some of the rides are indoors. Mm-hmm. So like there's like a hundred people indoors and you're like, you're like looking around and you're like, are we doing this? Yeah, you're like, do I have to wear a right mask now? on a roller coaster? Like, am, I, am I awake? <laughs> yeah. Is this like the before time? Yeah, you know, well, um, you know, when the after the 15th, because that was the day that the masks were able to come off for vaccinated people, I was at work and it, it, we just went from one day everyone had to wear masks and we had to have like plexiglass shields up and like, you know, all these things to like the next day I didn't have to wear a mask and I just got to see everyone's faces and like there was mm-hmm. just so many people in the restaurant and I was like what is going on I know it was it was really like you just kind of ripped off the band-aid I thought we were gonna have to like kind of slowly ease into it and I guess we kind of were but like yeah it was just like one day it was masked and the next day it wasn't and I was like oh god <laughs> yeah I mean although it's kind of like you got it or not yeah because like I don't think you can like halfway your mask no yeah it's true That'd yeah be funny. just on the top lip just to cover your nose <laughs> right just get those nose shields um yeah. but yeah so that's that's the show thanks so much for listening <laughs> um if you would like to follow us on instagram and keep up with all the pictures we post about the cases we talk about follow us at not today underscore podcast we have a tiktok follow us at not today podcast i'm gonna start posting again i swear um and then we have an email if you want to send us a story of your own personal survival or if you have a suggestion send me a dm or an email that's no today podcast at gmail.com and, and we're on youtube at not today podcast i actually don't know what it is but look it up we'll show up we're on youtube and just keep breathing yeah yeah